Hello and welcome along to the latest edition of the RacingNews365.com Formula One podcast. My name is Michael Butterworth and I'm joined once again as ever by Dieter Renkin, Editorial Director of Racing News 365. Hi Michael, great to be here again and welcome to all our readers and listeners and viewers of course if you're watching this on YouTube. Yeah, well, we've got uh, some breaking news to react to today because in just the last hour and a half or so, we've uh, we've heard that Ferrari and Mattia Bonotto have parted ways. Mattia Bonotto has resigned from his position as team principal at Ferrari. Um, now, Dieter, we uh, we talked about this on the Abu Dhabi podcast when we uh, were um, talking after that race, and we wondered whether this was just the typical sort of rumours that sometimes come out of the Italian media. We don't know whether to believe them or not. But the rumors didn't go away. And, uh, yeah, just in the last hour and a half or so, we're recording this podcast on uh, Tuesday morning. It's been announced that Binotto and Ferrari have parted ways. You wrote about this quite extensively uh, for Racing News 365 a few days ago. What's your read of this situation? Uh, things, as, as always with Ferrari, things aren't as straightforward as they appear or could be. The rumours basically started in the wake of the Brazilian Grand Prix, where I believe, and this, of course, hasn't been confirmed because one never knows the full story where, where these sort of situations are concerned. But I believe that somewhere along the line, it was indicated that Fred Vasseur would be replacing Matteo Bonotto as team principal at Ferrari. Whether that came from the Vasseur camp, whether that came from hopeful Italian media, whether the seed had been planted by Ferrari is unclear at this stage. But it would appear as though there was some input from the Alfa Romeo stroke uh, Fred Vasseur side uh, that this was a distinct possibility. Of course, the story then got legs. We got to um, uh, Abu Dhabi a week, within a week. And basically, Ferrari had issued a statement saying that with respect to the speculation, there is no truth in this whatsoever. Uh, Matteo Bonotto took this to be an endorsement that he would be staying on. Uh, but what he decided to do was, having got the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix finale out of the way, having secured second in both championships, the drivers with Charles Leclerc and the uh, obviously second in the Constructors' Championship for Ferrari, he thought, well, now I'll go and talk to my bosses and say, please, can you issue some form of comment, statement, confidence in me, whatever. When this was not um, uh, forthcoming, uh, Matteo then said, in that case, I need to look at resigning. Um, my personal take on this, and I stress it's personal, is that having a last year, July, so July 2021, um, appointed Benedetta Vigna, who came from the semiconductor stroke microprocessing industry, a CEO of Ferrari, he had already moved various senior executives out of their positions, appointed new people, etc. The one area that he hadn't really looked at yet was the Scuderia Ferrari, I believe, because he needed to get the automotive side ship-shaped the way that he wanted it. And he then decided that he would put his own people in place, which he did from November last year, uh, and that he would then look at the Scuderia Ferrari. And, of course, uh, Matteo Bonotto, a long-standing Ferrari staff member, had been there for 30-odd years, had been technical director, had a very, very good track record as technical director, had the support of uh, the previous CEOs, and I say CEOs because there have been two in the last five-odd years, namely Sergio Marchioni, who died in 2018, and then Louis Camilleri, who replaced Marchioni after his death, 
and he then left at the end of 2020, having suffered health issues with COVID and whatever else. So Mattia had had the support of the previous two CEOs. Whether this meant that Vinya saw him as a, as a loyalist to the previous regimes, I don't know. But I would imagine that at some stage Vinya said, I would like my own man in place. And therefore, the, um, the endorsement that Bonotto was seeking was not uh, forthcoming. And he then uh, resigned. Of course, and the problem now is that Ferrari sit without a team principal from the end of December. They are at the end of the first year of the new era regulations. Um, it's generally accepted that within the paddock, it takes two to three years at least for a new team principal to find his feet, uh, get systems and structures up and running the way that he would like them, etc. And I fear that Ferrari is going to miss out again on this particular era of, of regulation changes. They lost out with the previous one, which ran from 2013 through to the end of 2021. They went through um, three team principals during that period, namely uh, Stefano Domenicali, uh, Marco Mattiacci, and uh, Maurizio Rivabeni without a world championship. And I fear that we're looking at the next era again without world championships. Well, Ferrari, they're staring down the barrel now of having five team principals in 10 years or so, whereas over the same period, you know, Christian Horn has been at Red Bull since about 2005. Toto Wolff has been at Mercedes for 10 years. Well, they're now looking at what, 14 or so years and counting without a championship. So, you know, this, this constant yeah. churn doesn't feel like it's doing their prospects any good. Well, not only that, of course, the uh, Ferrari team principalship is increasingly being viewed as a poison chalice. You know, people come in there uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, full of hope, expectation, resurrecting Ferrari, the great Ferrari, the passion, the history of the place. And invariably, after two or three years, uh, they, they, they sort of out, fall out of love with the place and Ferrari falls out of love with them. And this points to systemic issues rather than individual personnel issues, as far as I'm concerned. You know, we're looking at a situation where, you know, can Stefano Domenicali, can Mat Mattiacci, can Arriva Beni, and can Bonotto all have been wrong and Ferrari is 100% right? It, it doesn't sort of work that way. You know, it, it, it reminds me of the, the grandmother who points at this um, platoon of, of soldiers marching and she says, have a look at my grandson, Johnny. He's the only one marching in step. And, you know, if we have a look at Ferrari's um, budgets, the facilities, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that they can attract uh, blue chip uh, sponsors, and they're just not delivering. They haven't, as you correctly say, in 14 years. So who replaces Bonotto now? Because if we look at the, the previous team principals that they've had, uh, Stefano Domenicali, Marco Mattiacci, Maurizio Riva Bene, they've all either, uh, and of course Bonotto himself, they've all either been promoted from within or they've already had knowledge of the company. They've already had dealings with Ferrari before. So uh, are they going to do that again with Ferrari or are they going to appoint somebody like, like Fred Vasseur? Is there any substance to these Fred Vasseur rumors, for example? Well, well basically, Michael, we're, we're looking at a situation which says unknown at this stage, uh, you know, TBC, watch the space. Um, but fundamentally, if we have a look at, at the history of Ferrari, we should not forget that between 1979 and uh, effectively 2000, they hadn't actually won a championship. They won the Constructors' Championship in 99, but drivers-wise, 2000 and Michael Schumacher. So we're talking 21 years. And basically... Uh, uh, to do that, they had to go outside. They found John Todd. John Todd 
totally and absolutely revamped the place. Um, he basically turned around and said that, uh, you know, I'm going to take the best there there is and there are available, regardless of nationality, etc. So he had a South African, Rory Byrne, as chief designer. He had Ross Braun, an, an Englishman, as technical director. He brought Samo Gotto in as engine director. Uh, you know, there were all sorts of nationalities working there um, for the great good of Ferrari. What we've had subsequently is a sort of Italianization of the of the um, uh, the team, the Scuderia. And whilst I have nothing against the Italians, I think there's some very very fine engineers, some superb managers, etc. It stands to reason that the smaller the pond you're fishing in, the fewer fish you're able to catch. And I think that what Ferrari have to do now is look right outside of Italy and turn around and say, okay, we want to be the world's best. We are a global company selling products on a global stage. We will attract the best there is, regardless of nationality, regardless of creed, etc., and attract those people. The problem is, of course, Michael, that back in the day when Todd did this, he had an unlimited checkbook. He had Philip Morris money. He had no budget cap. He had none of this. They now have to go out there and persuade people to join them the best there are, and everyone that they appoint above the sort of salary range for that sort of job, and of course they're going to have to pay premium to attack, um, attract premium people, is going to eat into the budget cap. And this is a major issue that they face. Uh, you know, gone are the days where they just had this open checkbook. They could go and offer somebody a million bucks to come and join them. The guy did it for five or six years, delivered the results, and he got rich and they got results. It doesn't work that way anymore under the budget cap. Talking about fishing in a smaller pond, obviously there in Italy, you've got six of the 10 teams based within about a 50-mile radius of each other in the UK, McLaren obviously a little bit further away. But you, you've got a situation where if an engineer goes from, say, Red Bull to Aston Martin, they don't even need to move house. But an engineer going from Red Bull to Ferrari, you've got to persuade them to move to Italy. If they've got family, if they've got children in schools, they're not going to want to uproot them. Um, and if an engineer uh, needs to be persuaded to move to Ferrari and they see this churn of people at Ferrari and the instability within the, the company, then that's another reason to look at it and think, mm, maybe it's not worth it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, the same applies to Sauber and to, to Alfa Tauri, of course. And, you know, this is one of the one of the, the issues that these teams who aren't based in this sort of motor racing crescent in, in the UK face. Uh, and in order to attract people, you've got to pay premium. And Audi, in fact, I think will find a similar thing when they get their, their uh, Formula One base up and running in, um, uh, in Nürburgring, where the, I think they may just find that to attract people within the budget cap is going to be very, very, very difficult. Well, the Fred Vasseur to Ferrari rumors uh, gathered pace because it, it was suggested that obviously Vasseur and Charles Leclerc have a close relationship. They worked together at, uh, at Sauber in 2018 in Leclerc's first year in F1. They'd worked together in junior formulae as well. Uh, is there any truth to, to the notion that, uh, that maybe Leclerc's camp had some influence in, in the Vasseur rumors to, to, that he might go to Ferrari? Look, anything is possible with Ferrari. Um, I, you know, uh, Fred Vasseur did work very closely with uh, Nicola Todd, the son of Jean Todd, who's the manager of uh, Charles Leclerc. They did work very closely together. In fact, they were um, uh, partners in the ART Formula 2 and Formula 3 team at one stage. Uh, so there are these connections. Yes, absolutely. But I think we have to look at exactly what Ferrari need. 
And frankly, what Ferrari need now is somebody who is able to conduct a full root and branch overhaul of the team, somebody who's got experience beyond running, and I say this with all due respects to Fred, uh, beyond running effectively a kit car company. When I say that, Sauber uh, get their power units, their hydraulics, their transmissions, etc., from Ferrari, and then they assemble these into parts which they have produced in-house, yes, but a lot of them are also outsourced according to the, the FIA regulations. And uh, they need somebody who, first of all, is well-versed in corporate politics of the Italian type, and these can sometimes be rather convoluted, um, they need somebody who's well-versed in corporate structures, in engine departments, and in, in all sorts of things. And one has to ask whether uh, Fred is the right sort of man for that and with, how long he would last in that sort of environment. You know, I'm told that, for example, they, they'd offered uh, Christian Horner a substantial amount of money to join there. I'm told that uh, he turned this down. There must be a reason for that. You know, here's here's a man who's who has led uh, Red Bull to multiple championships, four back at the, the turn of the decade, and then another two recently, when I say two plus a Constructors' Championship this year. So in total, he's led Red Bull to 11 championships in the last 14-odd years. And um, if it is true that they've offered him this, if it is true they've offered him a substantial amount of money, if it is true that he turned them down, there has to be a reason for it. Well, Christian Horner, of course, is a, is another man with a, a young family who's been based in the same place for a long time, and presumably that's uh, that's that, that's had an impact on his decision as well. And I dare say, after the success he's had at Red Bull, he's not being badly paid there either. Absolutely not. And you know, ultimately, he's got all the systems and structures in place. Um, they've got their farm. You know, the, the the guy's got a sweet life there. He's delivering, of course, he is. But he has a sweet life there. So we then have a look at others, and we say, well, what about um, Andreas Seidel? Could he be enticed to leave there from McLaren? Um, again, I, I doubt it very much. You know, uh, does Andreas want to jump out of a team that he's obviously very happy with, that he's rebuilding, and move into the sort of cauldron that is Ferrari? I, I doubt it very much. And, you know, it doesn't matter where we look at the list of team principles. Um, you know, who could take that role, and above all, who could remain in that role and transform Ferrari? And that is a very, very, very big ask. And that's why I say there's a systemic issue and not a, a, a human uh, resource issue. Well, what do you think Mattia Bonotto does now? Because he was a he was a Ferrari man. He'd been there his whole career. Uh, he's a very, very respected uh, technical guy. I'm sure he's not going to be short of a few offers now. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, you know, before I wrote this piece, obviously I spoke to a lot of Ferrari people um, and they all gave me insights uh, about working with and for Mattia, and they were all very, very complimentary about him, particularly his management skills and his technical skills. And, uh, you know, I did sort of say to, to one of them, well, you know, he'll get a good payoff. Do you think he'll resign? He said, ah, forget it. He's, he's a big, big racer. <laughs> he'll be around. And I said, what sort of capacity? He said, well, if you think about it, he's probably one of the best engine people there is. Um, Mercedes may just want him. Uh, Red Bull are starting off a powertrain operation. They may just want him. Audi are starting off a powertrain operation. They may just want him. And, you know, who knows? He could end up back at, at, at Audi, or not back at Audi, but at Audi um, as, as team principal of, of the whole shooting match. Who knows? Um, they do need somebody senior, somebody with superb technical skills, 
And let's not forget that the name Audi is, in fact, uh, based on the Latin two here. And there are very, very strong connections between Audi and, and Italy. For example, they own Lamborghini. <laughs> they own Ducati. So, you know, who knows? He could end up at Audi. Well, there we are. The news is out. Mattia Binotto and Ferrari have parted ways, and it'll be certainly very interesting to see where Ferrari go from here, who they get to replace him, and indeed where Mattia Binotto goes next. But uh, Dieter, thank you very much as usual for your insights, and we'll be hearing from you again next week when we do our Racing News 365 review of the 2022 Formula One season. Absolutely, Michael. One last word from me. Um, I think that all the, the uh, competitor team bosses, i.e. Toto Wolf, uh, Christian Horner, etc., are just loving what's going on here because they did see Matteo as a massive, massive threat to their um, to their performance because he, he was a very capable technical director and also team principal. And if you'd like to hear more of Dieter's insights, you can follow him on Twitter at Racing Lines. That's it for this edition of the RacingNews365.com Formula One podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with our 2022 season review.